It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely in Topic. I am VA. I'm here with Jeff. Yo. And Tim. Hello, hello. All right. And Nick is, I would like to say he's on assignment, but he's on a family vacation where they're camping in the mountains. And oh boy, that sounds like fun. And he's, he's, uh, it's not his thing. <laughs> nope. Nope. We talked about that last time. Our idea of camping is hotel rooms. So poor Nick. It's okay. Uh, at least he's around people who love him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Presumably. Yes. Family. So. Yes. 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 So, wow. I got the introductions out right away. Of course, you know, had to do it again, but that's okay. That's fine. In this chaotic time and chaotic nation and chaotic world that we're in right now, it's always great to have a team like the Boston Bruins to look toward to to entertain you and to get your mind off of things. Except that they've done not so much (laughs) in the last couple of weeks. In fact, I would rather turn my attention right now to the fact that the league has grown a lot in the last couple of weeks. Okay. I don't have any of this stuff written down, so I'm going to need an assist from Jeff and Tim possibly on this, but so many teams have been hiring women and minorities. Uh, Let's talk about San Jose was the biggest one so far. And boy, oh boy, was he given a big task right off the bat. So San Jose fired all of their coaching staff, you know, just like summarily dismissed everybody. And then within a couple of days, they announced that they hired Mike Greer as the, their new GM. So this is a very much um, uh, um, uh, that's good. That's a bad thing, because like for starters, firing the whole coaching staff um, as the last two vacancies were about were, were being filled at approximately the exact same moment. These, of course, being the Boston Bruins. Hiring Jim Montgomery. We'll get to this because I think that was, you know, um, oh, Jets inexplicably hiring Rick Bowness. It's a thing you can do. It's a decision you and, can make. Um, uh, and uh, and and Detroit hiring uh, one of the assistants out of um, uh, Tampa. At this point, the Sharks decide to hire to fire Bob 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 Bogner and his staff. That's pretty douchey. Mhm. Yep. But then they turn around and make and hire Mike Greer, making him the first um, African American uh, GM in NHL history. I love it. I was so freaking excited about that. I still remain very excited about that hire. First of all, former player, former Sharks player. He's from around here because his dad was a player personnel vice uh, president for the Patriots. His brother, Chris, is the GM for the the Dolphins. And, you know, I don't like the Dolphins, but they have a black GM. And I think that's great because this is how you grow the game. This is how you get more people involved. You get them involved at all sorts of levels. Okay, so it's like if you have a black kid seeing that there are black players in the league and then they can also become front office people, that is a fantastic thing that gets you really involved. I just love it. But he had a really tough go of it because the first thing he had to do was like a couple of days later, he had to have the draft. Right. And then 
he lost one of his scouts at the draft. Yeah. Brian yeah, Marshall. Todd Marshall, just um, Brian Marshall, not Todd, right? Yeah, just Marshall, yeah. died unexpectedly the day before the draft in Montreal. He was already in Montreal for it. So young, too. So sad. And of course, he is the father of Mason Marshman. Yes. I don't I don't envy Mike Greer. He's got a, a lot to do there in, in San Jose to, to make them into. I would, I would point out he also comes in and starts bashing the um, franchise with a hammer from day one. Yeah. Um, they, they released a whole bunch of RFAs, some of whom would have been worth keeping, like um, uh, Jonathan Dallin. They bought out Ru- Ru- Rudolph Balsers, which was a little unexpected. Rudolph Balsers? Rudolph Balsers? Yes, yes. How could you buy out a a Latvian? How could you buy out a reindeer? My lord. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As well, and yeah, so he did did that. And then, of course, also traded traded Brent Burns. Which is actually a smart move on their part, I think, just because that contract is... They well, and that was tradable, unlike they're basically stuck with Eric Carlson and especially Mark Eduard Vlasic, right? So, right. like, yeah, fabricate some cap space. You're already, you can't really have multi, two puck-moving right defensive, defensemen who play the same side and get them enough minutes to justify their existence in the case of having both Carlson and Burns. Yep. Yep, and Carolina likes him because uh... – He's exactly what they like, the bomb from the point, so. Well, uh, they, they, they've been cycling through high-end um, uh, top-pairing right defense, right offensive right D of recent years, you know. Dougie, and then Tony D, and then and now, and now Brent Burns. Yeah, which if you ask me, Brent Burns is an upgrade from Tony D. Oh, unamb- unambiguously. He's, you know, he's not great shakes defensively, but he can defend. Yeah. Did, did <laughs> I tell you that he was in an episode of Vikings? Brent I mean, Burns? Like, I'm assuming he didn't require a costume. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he had a costume, but they didn't really have to do anything to his hair or his teeth or his beard. <laughs> no. <laughs> he only had like a couple of lines and he got killed all in a one episode. Wow. I think it's great. Impressive. It's impressive. <laughs> He made a play to go kill somebody, and then the other guy killed him. It was great. The only thing that's really annoying about that trade for me is I've always really liked Brent Burns, and now I have to hate him because fuck Carolina. Now, speaking on the Carolina thing, of course, we have to, they also acquired Max Pacioretty <laughs> for nothing. Like, literally. <laughs> like, actually. Like him and a useful youngish defenseman for nothing. Yep. Salary dump. Salary dump. Uh, yeah. Now, you know, the thing about that is I would like to stress people are going to be talking about how, you know, how, how the, uh, the, the, that team had, a, how the Canes had a great um, uh, free agency. And it's like, okay, yeah, they did. Like, that's a, I don't think they're actually better. Okay. Like, Patchy Reddy's better than Nita Ryder. Yes. Burns is better than Tony D'Angelo. But they didn't replace Trocek. True. They lost their 2C and did not replace him. All right. All right. We'll talk so, a little you know, bit anyway, more about whatever. that in a little bit, okay? Because I immediately wanted to jump on that. I wanted to, to finish up talking about uh, NHL Diversity Week, as we put it. Sorry, and yes. I know that it sounds it sounds like we might be making fun of it. We're not. We're really, really excited. Um, now, like I said, I don't have any of this written down. The Seattle Kraken, their AHL affiliate, hired Jessica Campbell as an assistant coach. 
She becomes the first female assistant coach uh, of a uh, men's professional team that is above ECHL, of course. Um, uh, So her comment on it was, it's the visibility that's key for me. I'm not focused on the gender side. I see myself as a coach, but it's how others see me that's exciting for young girls and boys to see it is what's exciting. So that's really great. So we have a first female assistant coach, you know, which means it's only a matter of time before women break the coaching ranks of the NHL, although it will probably be a lot longer than we think it will take. So, yes, there there was uh, Mike Greer, who had the single best hockey card ever when he was with the Oilers eating pizza. And oh, how can I forget this? Haley Wickenheiser, resident medical doctor. Haley Wickenheiser was promoted to be an assistant GM with the Maple Leafs. And she's doing her residency too. Dr. Haley Wickenheiser is also an assistant GM for the Toronto Maple Leafs. She is so storied. She's so, you know, she's like one of the best Canadian hockey players ever. She's an AGM. It's just great. There are other ones. uh, The the New Jersey Devils hired someone. I don't know if it was as an AGM or if it was a player development coach. The the Bruins also have hired Danielle Marmer as the associate player development coach and assistant. Yeah, so that's coming from she spent the last several years um, in a player development role with um, uh, for the women's team, including PAC. Before that, it was a couple of years as the women's coach at Connecticut College as well. And I spent the last year in a um, uh, sort of in diversity in hockey program mentored by um, uh, my Baroon scouting director, uh, Ryan Nadeau. Right. So all of this is great. This is all happening. This that All that happened like within anyway, two weeks. I like that because it means the Bruins sponsored this, this diversity program and then actually used that to follow through. Exactly. So I am excited to see what else happens down the line. I, I thought this was all very exciting news uh, that happened in the NHL. And I'm glad the Bruins can be part of it, too. And you never know. There could be more. There are still two rather notable um, uh, Bruins um, uh, hockey uh, ops vacancies. You never know what they'll do with those. Skating coach seems like a prime place to go that direction, for example. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, I would love them to hire like that. There's there's a few operating in Ontario who are like former former figure skaters who are very big name, like private um, uh, skating coaches. And I'm just like, go that route, guys. Come on, do it. <laughs> Can I tell we'll you see. who I secretly want to come in as an, a Bruins assistant coach? Go on. I want Zidane Chara to come back as an assistant coach. Z hasn't retired yet, but I would like to see that. Yes. He he said he's going to make his decision in September about what he wants to do. Just too late for him to be assistant coach, unfortunately. But <laughs> they're not going to keep that position open like for that long, right? They're presumably going to be an assistant coach in the next two or three weeks. I know, but maybe they can talk him out of that decision. I mean, seriously, if you're waiting till September to make that decision, you're probably not going to get picked up. You're nobody's talking about Zidane Chara right now. No. And again, he was like, and I hate to say it, he was he was very bad for the Isles this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, come back to Boston, Zdeno. Don't play anymore. Come back and coach. You have so much wisdom to impart. There's there's a place for you somewhere in this organization. If it's not assistant coach, it's somewhere else. Come back, come back, come back. All right. You know what? Let's talk about the Bruins draft because that happened in the last couple of weeks. Because I don't want to talk about free agency yet. 
it makes sense to talk about the draft first. So Bruins went into the draft without a without a ton of picks. Um, just six. Just six. A second, a third, a fifth, sixth, and um, uh, two sevenths. Yep. And they could not get into the first round. But you know who did get into the first round? Who also didn't have a first round pick? Chicago, Chicago did. But that's because like they made like a series of like odd trades. Like they're burning it down. They're trying to get Connor Bedard, but. A lot of the last couple of days has been giving up players of an age that they shouldn't oftentimes for either below market value. That return for Debrinkat was embarrassing. <laughs> Likewise, trading a, a third round, a third overall pick three years after drafting him for a 13th. They're just, they're, they're just burning it down. And then letting, letting Dylan Strom and, uh, and Dominic Kubelik walk too. It's just like, what the fuck are y'all doing? Like there's better ways to do this. I think the best part, okay, it wasn't getting a first round and a second pick for Alex Debrinkat, which you said, not a good return, and getting a first and a third for Kirby Doc, who they gave up on. The best one was they're taking on Peter Mrazek from the Toronto Maple Leafs and giving up their second round pick. And they, they took the first round pick. That's right. That That's right. Let's say that again. Toronto gave a first and a second to the Chicago Blackhawks to take Peter Mrazek's corpse off their hands. And uh, of course, then the Blackhawks like used the pick poorly. I don't care how they use the pick. Yeah. Toronto um, had to give up a first round pick to get rid of that guy. <laughs> and that then, wasn't even like that big a contract. It's just too long and he's bad. Like he was still under 4 million. Like I just thought like, that was an enormous amount to give up to not to, to give up a not terribly onerous contract. <laughs> At the end of the night, Toronto had no goalies. And, and Toronto fans, there were some Toronto fans that were like, yep, that's cool. That's that's a vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but then, then, well, what Toronto did afterwards on the goalie front is just, well. We'll talk about it. <laughs> yes. Anyway, of course, Bruins couldn't trade into the first. There was rumors that they would, but every time they don't have a first round pick, there's rumors of that. It's like, oh, Sweeney reported diligently report Sweeney would like to trade into the first round pick. Good fucking luck with that. Oh, I'm sure he would like to, but he never does. <laughs> well, because none of the none of the assets that could get it done are ones he wanted to let go. You know, it's like maybe at this point, after having a good season and with a solid contract, you could have done that by giving up DeBrusque. But like, oh yeah, well, we'll talk about that too. I feel like there's a lot of pushing things back in this podcast. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk anyway, about that. so they didn't trade into the first. So the surprise of literally no one who was actually paying attention and not just you know, and, and not just and not just not, not just clapping their flippers like a seal to the um, um to the um the press who mostly acted as transcribers in this case rather than actually critically saying LOL ha 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 Okay, so don't get to pick until fifty four in the second round. Yes, and what did they need to pick? What did we say the last time? Centers. Centers. I remember putting in all caps <laughs> in, you know, quote tweeting what, uh, you know, there was like Don Sweeney saying a whole lot of nothing uh, to Eric Russo. And I'm like, centers, Donnie, you need to draft centers. <laughs> and um, so he did use a center, not one of the ones that everyone assumed. Certainly not one of the ones at that point that people generally had listed as as, as um, best available. So no David Goyette out of uh, Sudbury in the OHL. No Ryan Green out of the um, out of the Greens out of the USHL. Grabs a um, kid by the name of Matra, uh, Matthew Poitras out of the OHL, who uh, 
scored measly 20 when it did measly 29 20, 21 29 50 in 68 games with Guelph. oh okay a lot of the, the private scouting people you know so the ones i relate lean on the most being like uh, Prominent prominent and scott wheeler at the uh at the athletic because that's the one i pay for weren't big fans of the poitras pick both of them are like he's a reasonable pick there but like wasn't wouldn't have been ours. Mm-hmm. Neither of them seem terribly bullish on his future as an NHLer. Hmm. That sounds like a Don Apparently, he's, 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 he's a little smaller and not a fantastic skater. Like, technically sound, but slow. So that's fixable, technically. Uh, but, like, Don Stop Motor. So, like, um... Don Sweeney see, Pick. Well, not fast, but technically sound. Most slow skaters are, are shit skaters. He's good, but glacial. That's fixable. I wouldn't get too hung up on that. Okay. Once I read enough different Scottish sports. <laughs> <laughs> well, like the big thing is, is like that production level is not impressive. I will say it was a rookie season in the OHL because, of course, OHL didn't have a 2020-2021 season. And he didn't, as far as I can tell, play anywhere in that season, in the interim season. So what would have been his D-2 season or his D-1 season. Yeah, so, it, we're going to get a lot of picks who've had a, a tough go of it for the last couple of years. Yeah, that's true. And like, this is the same sort of critique you'd see with some of the other guys that they could have picked, like David Goyette, who was, again, also in the OHL, didn't have a D-1 season, right? <sighs> I don't have a problem with this pick, but it doesn't. it isn't the one I would have made, and I don't think it was maybe the most upside here. Like, those are an array of decent picks for the back half of the second. And that comes with the caveat. The back half of the second's all a crapshoot anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's a little hard to it's, – it's, especially as we learned with Mason Lowry, it is inappropriate to armchair quarterback after about the middle of the second round. Okay. Unless you really, really know the prospects. But I'm like, okay, sounds like there would have been better choices, but I'm – open to this we've seen them we've seen them do this 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 thing before at approximately the same place to have it really work out mm-hmm. so we'll see you know but again we didn't get any of like my favorites going into this draft whether you're talking goyette or green or or danny zielkin or vincez roarer the last one went to the habs and i'm really upset about it really upset about it <laughs> intense war um uh, jordan dumay you know Guys that were all attainable at various picks Boston had and just didn't happen. Okay, it's fine. To Dor- Dor- uh, May went to the Columbus Blue Jackets, right? Yes. Uh-huh. And Green went to the Blackhawks. And Zielkin to the Kings. Okay. But he's a center. Yes. Yep. Okay. I'll point out that all those guys except Dumay are also centers. But anyway, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So anyway, drafted a center. Good. The guy's got some upside. We'll see how it goes, right? Right. Like again, I, I it's not an appeal to authority. The bottom line is they've watched a hell of a lot more than than any of the people that I've read about have it. And importantly, while I don't value his opinion on really anything, uh, Ian McLaren, host <laughs> of Lockdown Bruins podcast, really likes this pick. And I would point stress that he's from he's from Guelph and sees a lot of Guelph. Okay. All right. So the bias there, but it's like okay, well, you know, this is a case where if he really thinks this is a decent pick, the guy would know he's seen a lot of this player. All right. All right, that's fair enough. So the Bruins traded their third round pick down to I forgot whoever it doesn't matter uh, to to Seattle for for a fourth and a fifth, and that's actually like that's what we've wanted. We've complained about this, and we want to see them do this when they, if they're about to reach trade the fuck down, right? Right. Like finally. Yep. So they drafted 
At 117, they drafted Cole Spicer, who's also a center. Uh, center with the, the uh, National Team Development Program in a similar role on the team to what we saw with uh, Beecher. That is to say, buried on the third line, thir- third or fourth line on an extraordinarily talented group. Oh, okay. Because like, so he was, remember, like, remember, I think six or seven guys from this team, from that team were drafted in the first round. Cooley, um, uh, Gautier, Snuggerud, um, uh, Nazar, Howard, McGrody. So it's seven forwards that were taken in the first round from that team. So we're talking about the eighth or, the eighth or ninth forward on the team here. Some decent production. You know, he went to um, uh, 20, 19, 39, and 58 games. Get some power play time. Seems to be a, a net front sort of fellow, which, like, this team kind of lacks. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued. Again, it's all crapshoots at this point. There is no, this is the player, this is the best player here, really, because that's all, it's all so subjective in the, in the eye of, of, of who's been watching and so forth, right? Yep. So, like, you know, when you get critiques from the profession, from the public sphere scouts of some of these late round picks, they're coming from a really small sample size themselves because they're trying to do the scout, do individually trying to do the scouting that an entire team would be, the entire team staff of scouts would do. Right. Anyway, Spicer, definitely interesting. Again, same vein as feature. Now, interesting trend we're also seeing here is second center. Both of them have been under six foot. Yes. Yes. That worries me a little bit, but because I like my centers to be tall. Yeah, yeah. But like sort of what I think Ty Anderson sort of pointed out and you know, as we go through the rest of the draft, this sort of comes together this way, is that the Bruins' drafting philosophy right now seems to be small motor centers. So they're basically, they're, they're looking for a Braden point. Ah, yes. And large defensemen. Basically, more or less, yes, exactly the, the what's currently the Tampa team construction method. Right. Big defensemen, smaller forwards. I love me a big D. <laughs> Which... <laughs> Spicer's an interesting pick. Some picks later in the sec in the um in the fourth in the fourth round they had they that is the hundred nineteenth pick. So two picks later, my Their favorite. Own, um, uh, yes, they picked a Latvian. Ah! First Latvian since Martin's Carsoms. <laughs> oh my god, so exciting! Oh my god. In uh, on Dan's look Melish. Yes, he's a center. He's six feet tall. He's a center. Another. He's at five eleven, one eighty. He's 5'11", 157. Holy crap, he's skinny. <laughs> oh, see, I've, I have him listed as 6 feet 170, according to the Bruins. Uh... I have here what's on cap friendly. Cause it's easy, the easiest navigator for things like this for me. So... Well, I took it just from the Bruins website. So they lied to us. The Bruins mm. lied to us. They gave him an inch and they, they uh, gave him... <laughs> an 30... inch and 13 pounds. <laughs> yeah, I know. Wow, that's Which, a lot. Like... <laughs> 150, 13 pounds. Oh, it's not that much. Going from 157 to 170 is enormous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he uh, he played uh, for Lulia HF. Yeah, he's played three seasons now in Sweden in various juniors. Yep. Yep. Um, all with Lula, all, all with Lulea. Um, now because he sort of pinged around between like world gym between different like categories because the Sweden, Sweden the, the European lower leagues do a lot of all sorts of stuff. It's kind of hard to really quantify his production overall but in 44 games with the j20 in their j20 team he did 18 goals 16 assists 34 points yes i like him of course because he's latvian he's latvian he's a center <laughs> i know he's hitting all the buttons i just wish he were a little taller but that's okay look look 
I this week questioned why I'm not Latvian. Am I am I really secretly Latvian? I was gonna say you never know. You might actually be Baltic German and just not know it. I know. And most I of like them lived in what's and most of them lived in what's now Latvia. I know, but but see, my family. I do what I do know about. Well, I don't know about my mother's side of the family. I do know about my father's side, and we come from southern Germany, like towards okay, Switzerland. Not Baltic, yeah. <laughs> Very not Baltic. We're from Baden-Württemberg. No. You know, you know Dennis Seidenberg. He is also from Baden-Württemberg. So, ah. so it's one of the reasons why I like him so much because he didn't grow up too far out of there. So. I mean, we weren't like right next to each other, but basically, if you want to know where my family's from, it's like near Heidelberg, near Stuttgart. That's where my family is from. Um, so anyway, I don't know why I might be Latvian. Who knows? Uh, but I'd love me some Latvians. You know, I'm going to go to Riga one of these days. I really am. I'm going to go you have start a time. going by Virginia. Virginia Shimmerminch. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I put an A at the end of my last name. So I've got my first name all set because it Zimmer ends Manners. in an A. Oh, yeah. yeah. So then, <laughs> for, for, yes, yes, there we go. And my husband's going to be uh, Glenn's. Glenn's. I, I love it. I just, but anyway, yeah, I'm very excited about that pick. I really hope he makes the team. I, I, I need a Latvian, man. I need a Latvian. You know how much I love Elvis Merzlikens, you know? So come mm -hmm. on. Okay, yes. Yep, so, yep, Bruins didn't have their own fifth round pick. They got one from, from Seattle. The, um, uh, the Josh Brown trade. Oh, uh, But yeah. they acquired a fifth when they traded down out of the third. Um, By the way, the Josh Brown ending up with the Arizona Coyotes, right? Isn't that just how it should be? Just, he's just not a sign of the kind of player that should be on an actual NHL team. But being in that NCAA team seems appropriate, yes. <laughs> okay, yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes. So with the 132nd overall in the fifth round pick, Bruins drafted uh, Frederick Brunet. Defenseman. Out of the, uh, the, uh, out of the Ramuski Oceanic in the QMJHL. Yes. I'll point out already we're four picks in and the Bruins have made not one, but two picks from the CHL, which of course has long been one of the critiques many people have had about this team's drafting strategy. An awful lot of people headed to the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Now, Brene apparently was in his second year of it was in his second year of eligibility, but he's a young second year eligibility. He's still only eighteen. He turns nineteen at the end of August. Doesn't uh, Brene play with somebody like scrimmage against somebody yes, in yeah. the summers? Oh, I haven't gotten there yet. Oh, so okay. he apparently trains in summer um, in, uh, in 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 Quebec City area with, among others, Patrice Bergeron. <laughs> now, what trains together means in this case, we don't really know. Does it mean they just go to the same facilities and are sometimes in the gym at the same time? Don't know. Doesn't matter. Um, anyway, he is a, um, a left shot defenseman. Um, uh, 6'2", 176. So he's a bit of a beanpole. This is, again, this is according to the cap-friendly numbers. Your, your, your Bruins team number may be different. I don't know. 6'2", uh, 185. Okay, so that they, they, they gave him an extra nine pounds. I see. I mean, the numbers you're looking at might have been, like, reweighed this week at, um, uh, at um, uh, development camp. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Um, so this was his uh, actual third year in the in the queue. Well, third full, second full season, um, uh, third season participating in the queue, and he went in, in sixty three games, went twelve thirty four forty six. Ooh, nice. This was after going one eight and nine in thirty three games the year before. Yeah, that's not so nice. I like that other one. No, 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 no. But like again, so like okay, he was a re entry. So people re entry is like, but um, 
again, like August 21st birthday. So that's only like three weeks before the cutoff for last year's draft. So that's barely a re-entry. Yeah. Anyway, I think this one's a real interesting pick. The one that I'm the most intrigued by in this draft that the Bruins made. Okay. Some of us just like Latvians. Some of us like players that will actually probably work out. Well, see, I'm looking at this one. It's like this guy has the most, seems to have some of the most potential for upside out of this group. We'll see. Yeah. Apparently, well, we're not there yet. There was also some good buzz around him at development camp this week. So that's, uh-huh. that's always nice to hear. Yes. Uh, there's also some buzz around your guy. So, you know. Woohoo! So, sixth round pick. <laughs> the best name. The best name. I am looking for some picks. Reed Dick. <laughs> So make your dick jokes, make your chronicles of make your chronicles of Riddick joke. Um, I am okay if he turns out to be a good goalie. If his, if his nickname ends up being Perfect Dark, I'll be on board. Um, <laughs> I mean, not Perfect Dark, Pitch Black, rather. But anyway, so yep. Um, again, he's a left uh, left catch goaltender. Plays in the dub uh, for the Swift Covenant Broncos. His numbers were bad, to be clear. Twenty three <laughs> games. Love him. In 23 games played, um, he had a 8.84 save percentage. But this comes with the caveat is that the Broncos, Swift Current Broncos, were a really bad team this year. And apparently, he was really good in the top prospects game. He moves well in the net. Something else you need to know about him that's rather important in the context of his name. <laughs> his birthplace is Winkler, Manitoba. <laughs> <laughs> What was that? Tinkler? <laughs> I know. I, I, I know. I was just. By the way, I just want to say in this troublesome time, follow Henry Winkler on Twitter. You will not be disappointed. That guy takes such joy in everything. I, who so knew? happy to catch those damn fish. It, it, he catches them. He takes a picture. He lets them go. It, it's just great. He loves it. Oh, I love Henry Winkler. Anyway, so yes. <laughs> yeah, Reed Dick. So he's a bigger goaltender, 6'3", 190. Yeah, I got 6'4", 194, yeah. so like, you know. Anyway, so adds to the um, uh, goaltending pool, which, you know, at present uh, means we have uh, like uh, four prospects uh, below the NHL level. How well, whether you want to consider Kyle Kaiser a prospect or not, it's a different matter. But, you know, puts us with Kyle Kaiser, uh, Brandon Bussey, um, um, Philip Zvedebach, and Reed Dick. I don't know if I would have bothered using a pick on a goaltender this year, but, you know, again, it's a sixth round. You, you, you go on what feels right at that point. Yeah. And you know, there's a non-zero chance. Maybe the team wasn't planning on picking a goal take goalie this year at all, but it's like, well, this is the best player on our list. So yeah, let's do that. Yep. It's fine. I, you know what? If only for the name at this point, just, just crack me up. No. And then in the sixth, seventh round, they had two picks their uh, own and the one, one from Ottawa that they'd gotten as part of the, the uh, of that fifth round, fifth round in submission for Josh Brown. They received a seventh in return as well. Had the Ottawa had the sense played um, submission more, it would have, could have become a sixth, but they did not do that anyway. So anyway, their own. So, so with the, for the first of these at um, uh, 200, so the sense pick they selected from the OHL left defenseman, Jackson Edward. <laughs> He uh, makes you heard the show, that right, folks. Jackson fucking Edward. <laughs> I hope he makes the show just because of his name. Oh my god! 
So I'm assuming next year in the seventh round, they'll pick someone by the name of like Anderson Brickelson or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Anderson Brick. (laughs) 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 Oh my God. Or, or Brickle. Yes. And Anderson Brickle. There we go. That's the name. (laughs) Oh my God! Uh, yep. Anyway, Jackson Edwards, a six-two, one-ninety-four left defenseman, uh, played. He just finished his rookie season with the London Knights. Yeah, he, uh, he's not one you should expect to do points. He just went uh, oh and six in fifty-four games. <laughs> Sounds like my kind of player. <laughs> yes, he, he is the large, um, uh, stationary, somewhat violent defenseman. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I love him. <laughs> Now, of course, you got to give him the caveat with those low scoring. He's a rookie with the with the Knights. The L- London Knights have are known for having a very rigid system, and that rookies play don't get get, get buried in the lineup. So going forward, it'd be interesting to see how he gets used. Okay. Uh, but again, seventh round pick. Apparently, had some buzz around him as well at week at um uh, at development camp. So cool, cool, cool. And then they decided they didn't want to use their other seventh round pick and traded it to the Kings for. Kings, yes, for next year's seventh round pick. Well, there was no Anderson or Anders Brick- Brickle, so why? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. You know, I mean, what can Anders Brickell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there could have been an Arnold Dalen or Don. <laughs> but anyway, Dalish Arnoldskish. <laughs> yeah so all right that was the the bruins draft and uh we'll see what happens but yeah they definitely needed to have some people who are not in the ncaa system because you'll get them sooner presumably and so yep um anyway that's uh yeah so that's uh th- four players out of the um uh, out of the chl two ohlers one q one dub one player from uh national team development program who's committed to, and that's spicer he's committed to uh to um uh minnesota uh, Minnesota Duluth specifically. Yes. Okay. And then Dan's Lock Malice, um, she was expected to remain in Sweden for presumably the foreseeable future. Okay. Thought they might bring um, one for the North American game, but okay. Well, I mean, you know, they're, they're still talking at least another year for, for, for higher profile guys like Matthias Mantikivi, right? So and that's a couple drafts ago now. I do have a favorite nugget from the draft. It has nothing to do with the Bruins, but this is a, a, a black. Blackhawks seventh round pick. They drafted a guy who was six foot eight, and he's a center. And his name is, I guess it's Riku, Raiku, Toila, or something like that. And this is what they said about their draft pick: He's well behind the curve. He's naive, and he's from a small town. But they thought he was worth the pick because of his late term potential. So basically, so basically, he's big, he's dumb, but we love him for it, and we drafted him. <laughs> we bought ourselves a big fucking hayseed, but uh, <laughs> I mean, but basically, they just they just they just like drafted Lenny from of mice and men. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe he'll turn into a big beautiful flower or something. Either that, or he'll just you know keep on skating like an ant. okay yeah um what i liked about the draft was like every time there was a player that we had collective interest in 
Columbus Blue Jackets snatch them up. <laughs> Remember the big David defenseman that we were talking about a few weeks ago, David Juracek, who's from Czech, uh, Czechia. Um, we were like talking about him. It's like, ooh, another David. We could have another Czech David. We like Czech Davids. And then he went over to the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. So it's like, all right, Columbus Blue Jackets had themselves a draft and they had themselves a free agency. Let me tell you that. They had a fish jump in their boat. A big fish. Getting freaking Goudreau at only seven and a half. And nine and a half, rather. And, like, they've never had a big a big free agency win before. The closest they ever had to a big free agency win was fucking James Wisniewski. Yeah. A contract that two trades later got bought out. <laughs> On top of all of that was that... <laughs> It, the entire contract is salary. It's salary. It's all salary. No, no bonuses. No bonuses at all, which is wild. I don't know what his agent was smoking, like why you would do that. Like, I'm just like, this thing is like, did he just like give absolutely no fucks about playing situation or where he actually was? Just not Calgary. All right. I read the article written by presumably Zavoda. Zavoda. And the earth athletic. And this is what he said. Johnny uh, hockey said that uh, he didn't want to stay in Cal uh, in Canada in Calgary because uh, it was too far from home, basically. And he and his wife are expecting in late September. So they wanted to be in the United States. It was just too hard with COVID to be up in Canada. So that's why he just didn't want to even, it seems like, I don't know if if, Can if Calgary didn't take him seriously before, but he was like, no, we're not we're not staying. So then he, he was not given a, uh, a contract offer by the uh, Flyers because they got Tony D'Angelo. And well, there's no. Well, and also no they apparently like let's talk about the Flyers for a moment there. Yes. yes. Flyers were supposed to be like ready for this. He's, you know, you know, Goudreau's from Cherry Hill, which is a suburb of Philadelphia, just on yep. the on the uh, on the New Jersey side. Yep. Um, his wife is from Philly. Yep. Um, so it was, it seemed obvious. Oh, he's going to play for play here. And he absolutely probably would have, but they wouldn't give up a first whether, and it wasn't clear whether Buffalo was asking for their first next year, which okay. Fair enough. Or Florida's picking first in whatever goddamn year down the road they got for in the, in the Giroux trade. I can't remember, but they wouldn't do it to get rid of JVR. Here's the thing. It's like, okay, yeah, uh, first to give up one last year of an uh, aging winger seems like a lot. But Goudreau is almost certainly more than what they'll get from selling JVR at the deadline at, at retention, plus that, plus whichever first they were declining to hand out. It's basically your choice are an assortment of, lo assortment of lottery tickets or Johnny Goudreau. This is a no fucking brainer, but Chuck, but. Cliff Fletcher is apparently, you know, Chuck, Cliff's, the, Cliff's his father. Chuck Fletcher is <laughs> apparently really fucking bad at this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought he was going to go with the Flyers. And then the Devils offered up a contract, upwards of $9 million, but he didn't want to play there. So what he just play there. The Isles were supposedly in the running, but we never heard. But apparently they never even got a real offer in. So basically, 
in the end, Columbus was the only Eastern team that was willing to pony up and not even like go hog wild because 975 is under market. Well, and this is what Gaudreau said. Okay. I can only take him at his word. He said, one, the fans are fantastic. He really loved playing there as a member of an opposite team. Okay. And he's only played for the Flames. So he only goes there once a year. But he said, it's a fantastic environment. And two, you know, he said, I'm here to win a championship. I'm not here to see the sights. Okay. So he's debating on himself. Okay. And the team. He he has evidently seen what the Columbus Blue Jackets have seen done in the last year, and I've been watching what the Blue Jackets have done in the last year, and I can tell you they're doing a lot to get people to come in. They're trying to get them to buy in. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm actually like really interested to see where they where, where they go with their like uh between their forward and, and deep prospect groups are fantastic now, right? Yeah. But, and also there's an important thing is Goudreau is some he's got some buddies on this team. Yep, and former but uh, and and buddies who were on the team. So like he's a, a friend of Cam Atkinson who raved about Columbus. And one of his new team teammates, Eric Robinson, apparently he's going to be in the guy's wedding later this summer. Yeah, they've been friends forever. He said like thirteen years at least they've been yeah. friends. So like And yeah. on yes. top of that, Columbus is already feeling the impact of it. It says they've seen an uptail, an uptick in ticket sales, and they've sold twice as many full season equivalents in the first twenty four hours after the signing as they typically would during this time of year. So that's awesome. Turns out you invest in your franchise, and they will come. Weird. It's like maybe you guys take notes. You know, sure it's cliche, but yeah, you build it, they'll come. Fuckers, come on. Spend money on your teams and the people will follow. I mean, the same, same thing happened with the Bucks with Brady, even though they didn't end up having a lot of fans in the stadium for 2020. There was like a there's a waiting list for season tickets now. When there wasn't. Well, before. like, I mean, it's not a coincidence. Even in Boston, you, you see that, right? You know, I mean, OK, so the first couple of years after those two big signings were still pretty slow because the team was bad. But like, I mean. Post lockout, it was the spending on Chara and Savard that made this team viable, and like you know, and they've been a cap team ever since. <laughs> yep. yep. I mean, it, what Columbus has done in the last few years is this. So, um, whenever there is a whiff, a hint of a player not wanting to be there, Yarmo is getting rid of them. He got rid of Josh Anderson. He got rid of Pierre Luc Dubois. He got rid of. You got rid of, of, of from Ryan, Ryan Johansson before that. And more Dubois. recently, of course, Dubois, Jones. Yeah. If they say, I want out of here, he's like, good. We don't want you. Goodbye. You know? Well, um, basically, you know, he ran out the strand twi- with, with, with Panarin and, and Bobrovsky. And again, that was the right thing to do. They were a decent team. So push all in if you're about to lose those pieces. Those were your choices. Like sell them at the deadline while you're in a playoff race. No. No. Or reach for the brass ring. Yep. It was the right thing to do. Yep. Didn't work out for them at all, but you know. But they beat Tampa. The right they beat Tampa, yes. And then lost to Boston, also importantly. Um, <laughs> yeah. But they gave us a fit. It wasn't an easy series by any means. No, 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 no. I, and that's was, what you was want. That, was it a six game series? Like, it's not like. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. The Bruins went seven, six, four. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
So, uh, yeah. So, look, they they weren't they were not uh, pushovers. Uh, they beat Tampa because Tampa was not taking them seriously. Mm-hmm. You know. So I like what what Columbus has done. And then last year they were just like, oh, come on home, Sean Corrali. Oh, look, John Ro- uh, 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 Roslovic, not John. What's his name? Jack. Jack. Jack oh. Roslovic. You, you're not happy in Winnipeg, huh? You want to come back home? Come home. I was going to say they basically got him a former first round pick for a third. If you consider Dubois line a straight as a straight up one for one. Because the trade was Line A and a third for no Dubois and a third for Line A and Roslovic. Line is, A, for all intents and purposes, seems pretty happy right now. So now he's currently in RFA, and they have to move pieces to be able to sell him and be able to sign him right now. Yep. Like um, like uh, they have Nyquist. Is they probably, only have like two point three million in space right now, and they have to get uh, Line A among one or two, uh, as well as. Emil Bemstrom, who's of no consequence, but yeah, Line A is an RFA. So Gus Nyquist is almost certainly out the door. I've heard Ruhr suggested that maybe it would be Boracek they try to move, but that's a lot of money. That's uh, two more seasons, eight and a quarter. <laughs> and Boracek wants to be there. I mean, yeah. like, like I understand you want to you want to move that money, but Voracek actually wants to be there. So keep. The, do what you can to keep the guy who wants to be there, you know? Nyquist. And those two are the obvious candidates of the two oldest players on the team. Right. They only have two, two only have three players 30 and over, and those two are the two oldest at 32. Right. The other is, well, they signed Eric, Eric Goodbranson for three, for four years for some reason. Teams just can't quit that fucker. Mm-mm. Don't I get it. I think it's going to work. But, but anyway, Johnny Gaudreau, <laughs> jumped into their boat he wants to be there the fans see that i'm excited because i had plans i had every plan to go to the october 28th game in columbus because i'm like you know i've never been to columbus where the uh where the uh the cannon has uh sounded and i've never gone to see a bruins game there so we'll see what Nation happens apparently a really fantastic venue too i've been there Across- I've- I've been there. Yeah. I mean, it was comfortable. I got the plague there, but I, w- I was there. You know, I might wear a mask. I might mm-hmm. tell the guy to not sit in my lap the next time. But, you know, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the seats were fine. You know, I had a good time. I just wish that Columbus had won and I wish that the cannon had gone off. You know, <laughs> my point is, is like, I'm excited. I want to go see that game. So very excited. Very happy for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um you know, I, I love that people in Calgary are butthurt, but you weren't going to get Johnny to stay. Just let him go. I was going to say, sometimes these decisions are made and there's nothing the team could have done about it. And like you were a competitive team with a window. You weren't going to you weren't going to move him prematurely. This is like Boston losing Horton. Oh, it's like, well, well, what, do you, what, are you, what are you going to do? Right. It's the same team. Calgary fans are definitely in their feelings about it, too. Holy shit. Well, considering there's no guarantee right now they managed to keep Kachuk because he hasn't really sounded that keen on being there. Oh, my God. Could you imagine the chaos of two Kachuk brothers on the Senators? I want it. I do, too. I need the I mean, nun I don't, I don't want. I don't want the Bruins in a season where they're still hope, trying to be competitive, playing a, a, a Sens team that, that, that would be that good. But... I need it. 
The nun Kachuk line would work. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to get somebody named Nun, though. <laughs> I mean, they can, can trade for Vince Dunn and convert him to a forward. <laughs> the Dunchucks. <laughs> I think if uh, if you're a Bruins fan, you really should be worrying that Ottawa got better this free agency and draft. And also Detroit. Yep, Detroit got better too. Those are two things that you should be worried about. Well, there's just his, like, uh, prior to those teams reaching for the brass ring, I was still, it's like, this team won't have to, depending on how certain things play out, should be okay. Now I'm, now I'm leery. Yep. And uh, you're still using that twig to hold that window open because the window on its own doesn't have an, it won't stay up on its own. You just have a, a little twig holding it open at this point. Anyway, on that note, I guess we should probably move to what actually happened post-draft with the Bruins. Yes. Yes. I just want to make one more thing known. Okay. Two more things before we get into what the Bruins have done. One, the Rangers, that's where Vincent Trocek landed. They got better. Did they subtracting Strom and, and Cop and then adding Trocheck? I don't think is a net is a net increase. That's at best a push. Well, I'm. You know what? They still got Trocheck. You know who would have been nice with the Bruins? Trocheck. But I mean, like with what cap space? Uh, we don't have cap space. I know, but they'll find a way. He's gonna have to find a way. He's really gonna have to find a way. Well, yeah, that's just it. So I guess we'll start off with um. And well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And Darcy Kemper is now the new goalie for the Washington Capitals because they said, oh, those two goalies we had, goodbye. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think anyone expected them to, turf bo- to, to, to nerf both of them, but they uh, they traded uh, Vanacek to uh, the Devils for a couple picks, and then they just didn't qualify Samsonov. I mean, honestly, what little I saw of Samsonov, it's whatever. Uh, agreed, yes. Yeah, uh, but now he's with Toronto. Which, like, Toronto also uh, traded for Matt Murray. I forgot about that. <laughs> Remember, I alluded to that when we talked about the Mrazic move. There, you know? So I don't really know what Toronto's doing there. Well, they have two goalies now. <laughs> uh, on top of that, in terms of their forwards, they subtracted out Kasha and Kasha Spezza and Mikheyev and apparently have replaced hmm? and have replaced them with Nicholas Abe Kubel and I think it might have been nothing else. Oh, and and Kelly and Kelly Yarncrock. Kyle Yarncroft so, is on his fourth team. He was so good with the Preds, but fifth team technically because he was a he was a Detroit draft pick. But yeah, oh okay. <laughs> well, he was good with he was good in how the Preds used him, and then he's been around. Anyway, the Maple Leafs are, are, are hard to under, understand. They also have a shit ton of NHL NHL level defensemen now, so presumably they're moving something. But like, I struggle to see how this team is better than it was before, and like. Matt Murray, we know he's bad. Still, Ilya Samsonov, Evan, all signs point to bad. So that'll be interesting. Matt Murray has been through something. That guy looks like a walking corpse. Yeah, like... I mean, I know he had bad concussions, so I shouldn't say like, walking he corpse. He looks more like he's coming out of multiple years of heroin addiction there. He he looks... Like, 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 straight, like straight out of a, like a side character in train spotting. He looks like a good five years older than me. And we all know that I'm just a little bit younger than dirt. I just, uh, I don't know. I, I think it's hilarious that 
they're going to try to do something there. You know what, Leafs? Just keep doing what you're doing. And uh, so Jack Campbell, he signed with what? Uh, Edmonton? Edmonton. Because Mike Smith is presumably LTI retired now. Yes. Yeah, so that's what happened. So it's been a goalie carousel and everything. But one person who hasn't landed anywhere so far is uh, Nazem Kadri. And I feel kind of bad about that. But I also know that he's going to want what want a lot of money and i don't know well, who see, that's has what it. happens here almost certainly it's like and the season he just had warrants in yep eight and a half million year contract but, but he's, he's 31 yeah he's never done even half that before nope he is a probably a great five and a half to six million dollar center for four years and credit to him for wanting more but where are you gonna fucking get it now brother we're four days into free agency and you're not signed yet the longer it goes on the more likely it seems to me that he stays with Colorado somehow. Yeah, I'd buy it. Like, like there's a lot of teams that can sign him, and I was actually going through it, but like, so like, don't get so teams that have enough space. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There are thirteen teams that have enough space right now to sign him for eight and a half, for eight million or so. But a lot of them have RFAs they still need to sign. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what he actually gets when he is. Likewise, in terms of big names that no one signed yet are John Klingberg. Mm, yep, yep. And uh, Nito, Nita Ryder. Oh, Nita Ryder. No Ryder. I kind of hope Kadri stays with Colorado. It seems like he kind of found a home there after Toronto. And they, they like him there. And I don't know. It would be cool to see him stick there. I Since he left the Leafs and stuff like that, Definitely softened on my stance on him quite a bit. When I mean, not... like he did, he did still do some Nazem Kadri things in the playoffs more recently, just not this year. Yeah, <laughs> true. So, like, the Avs have three point nine million right now, no RFAs, but that's only with eleven forwards and eight defense, eight defensemen, and two goalies. So they have to move things to make space for Kadri too, even at a discount. But yeah. It seems to be the most likely at this point. A lot of the teams at the bottom of the board, I'm like, I don't see why they would give money to Kadri or why he'd sign it. On the other hand, he just won his cup, so now just take the fucking bra- take the paycheck, man. Mm-hmm. Winning should no longer be a major priority of yours. Just take the money and try to make wherever you end up into a winner. Yep, yep. That's what you should do. Get over all that time that you were with Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> he also could still be celebrating, so there is that. Yeah, I don't think he's, like, too sad right now. So, no, I think no, he's pretty no, happy. No. I mean, he's got some firsts going to him too, for him, too, right? He's the first uh, Muslim Stanley Cup winner. winner. Yeah. So, everything's good. It's just he hasn't signed yet, and so it's going to be interesting to see what, what comes out. Let's talk about those Bruins now, because so much is happening. We've been more or less, but not quite, confirmed that they will probably be signing both Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci, but neither has happened. Oh yeah. And both of course, were done deals. We learned they? last summer, do not count your Krejci eggs until they have hatched. Yep. So like, there's been plenty of rumors from multiple credible sources that like some sort of one year deal with Krejci is all but done. And there's been mixed messages on the Bergeron thing. There's been some things that say slow your roll guys, but then there's been other hints at screen. This guy's coming back. If he was bothered, if, 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 you know, because uh, I'm always at uh, certain players that we haven't talked about yet on, on acquisition talked to Bergeron first. Mm-hmm. Montgomery talked to Bergeron first. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Let's talk about that Montgomery press conference. I have seen happier funerals than that. 
that thing was fucking morose from the 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 reporters who were still grasping with the idea that Bruce Cassidy still isn't there to kind of wanting to ask but dancing around the whole topic that we have vowed that we're not talking about anymore because it was a significant part of Jim Montgomery's life to HS was like it was the saddest fucking thing I've seen and it's a shame because like I'm actually like really excited about this coaching hire I'm not I'm not excited because I still have rage about a lot of things. Some of it's hockey related. You know, I'm I'm you know, okay, so the way I see it is yeah, Byron Cassidy was the probably the wrong choice. I've sort of like adapted enough to be able to understand what may be their reasoning. It's like, okay, that's the way you think you gotta do it. Doesn't mean it's the right move, but if that's what you think, it's the right move. Like, you know, if you think that, you can't not make the move. Right. I but I feel like the team but, is still doing a a more subtle than they're used to doing slam job on Cassidy. It's becoming more and more apparent that it was becoming a player issue, that players were having a problem with with Cassidy and they decided to to pull the trigger on that. Well, you see, real or not, the team has clearly decided that Krejci went to Czech Republic last year because of Cassidy. Right. Whether or not that's the explanation, I'm not going to comment on. The team clearly thinks that. And I think that the Jake DeBrusque thing, it might seem like it's being uh, overly simplifying it, but Jake DeBrusque asking publicly for a trade definitely had something to do with Bruce Cassidy. And then rescinding the trade request. Yes. Which he has done officially. And I'll be honest with you. On the one hand, I'm like, great. I'm glad that you want to be here, Jake, you know, and then Jim Montgomery said, oh, I've talked to Jake and he says he loves the city of Boston. He doesn't want to leave. So blah, blah, blah. And I'm just sitting here and I'm like, you know what? (laughs) I would still trade that fucker's ass. I would trade it. I would see what I could get for it. Well, there's the thing is like, there's the thing is right here. It's like, you can't, you've set, you've set a bad precedent now. For trading him? You've you've, you've grinned. No, 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 no. Just in general, you've, you've, you've appear to have granted a middle-of-the-lineup player an enormous amount of power, at least in terms of optics. Yep. Yeah, well, I know. That's a very dangerous precedent to have set. Oh, they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have. Like, rescinded or not, like, like, like I don't want to trade Brad Jake. I'm happy he wants to be here. I, I mean, He's not my favorite player. He never will be. But I know what he's more or less capable of being, and it's a certain and – and he does the thing that not a lot of players on this team do well. That is to say, score goals. But I do worry about what they've done to themselves down the road by demonstrating that a player who is not really super hyper essential to the team's success having that kind of pull. Oh, yeah. That's a Sweeney problem. The only th- it's yeah, a Sweeney-ly yes. problem. No, I'm just saying I would trade him because I'm a petty bitch. That's what I am. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> you know, You know how we've talked for many years about how I'm dog GM? I am becoming a little less dog GM and a little bit more petty bitch GM. <laughs> I was going to say, it's not cat GM, but uh... <laughs> no, call it as it is. I am okay. I am a bitch. I get it. And sometimes I'm really petty and that would be it coming out. I, I just, you know, look, it's great. Jake wants to be here. He loves Boston, blah, 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 blah. Probably because he found a girlfriend or something and he doesn't have to yank it on his own anymore. Fantastic. But the thing is, is that he was pretty shitty. He was pretty shitty to the franchise. Well, there's the thing about it is he's like, okay, so there's the thing like, okay, maybe he was struggling and that's fair. And you know what? Cassidy probably needed to be more understanding. Yep. Okay. But, yeah. But this, yeah. So you reprimand him. 
you rip her, yeah, but, but then he just fucking then he fucking sulked for a goddamn year and a god and a half. Well, no, I'm saying you years. you reprimand Cassidy. You tell him you need to be a little yeah more understanding. Okay, and yes, like, you're either maybe think maybe, maybe they, they they reprimanded Cassidy for that. Maybe and maybe at that point Cassidy didn't see anything wrong with how he'd been conducting himself, and then went about his business. At which point, okay, if you've done that and you've continued, yeah, you have to fire him. That's just cause. Right. Right. Um, but again, the team and Cassidy, they, this, everybody involved in this situation should have handled it better and more maturely. Everybody from, yeah. So, so Neely, so Neely, DeBrus, Cassidy, all of them were being too fucking stubborn here, I think. Yep. And that's how we got here. And at the point when they did it, I'm, I'm open to the idea that there wasn't another choice, but it shouldn't have gotten to that point. Nope. But ignoring that, I'm actually really excited about Montgomery. Oh, I still hope that the, that Cassidy stomps their asses two games this year. That's where I'm at with it. I'm I'm not excited about Montgomery. I'm just not because you know what? Every opportunity they've had to take it to make me excited about this guy, it's been a fucking funeral. <laughs> and it's not because I of don't me. Under, and I don't understand that because like Montgomery seems like a really fucking great story. Yeah. Oh my god. And like he sounds like like like. Like, like genuinely the kind of coach that players will run through a fucking wall for. Right. Which... And and I know that they're counting on that. They are counting on that. But here's my question, and it has nothing to do with Montgomery. It has everything to do with Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci. And this is the thing I don't understand. I've been trying to work it through my head. Why would Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci, either or, even, either or, why would they sign back with the Bruins right now? This is so what I'm saying. Well, I mean, I just want to know. I I want Jeff to tell me because I I feel like Jeff is a, a voice of the reason. The players on this team, the players, are their friends, their protégés, their colleagues, they're their comrades. This is the last thing that they can do to try to get those players, most of whom, all, none of whom, with the exception of Brad, got to have have gotten to win a cup. This is their opportunity to get those guys over the hump because you if you're if you're a good captain like Patrice Bergeron you look at this team and you see young guys like uh and, and, and you see young guys like McAvoy and hopefully Pasternak locked into this team from until the heat death of the universe and you know that once you go there's not much of a future here if you're a good person a good captain and a good teammate and you still want to play big caveat there we still haven't achieved uh, firmly established that if, if he does or not isn't the only right thing to do to be there to support your teammates? Isn't that what they tell us that the sports, what the sport and what being a team on a team are about? That is why, if you're Patrice Bergeron and to a lesser extent David Krejci, you sign on with this. I think that is not why David Krejci would sign, and I don't okay, believe that's that. That's why he's... I did emphasize that was mostly a Bergeron explanation. Right. Yes. I really don't believe that Krejci's going to sign. I said it before. I'm going to say it again. And the fact that it was supposed to be a slam dunk. And it hasn't happened yet. I just, I don't know. I know that well, they have well, to work There's a reason through. for that, though, right? There's, there's, they, they have, they have cap concerns to sort out before they can do that, right? This team at present has a projected four point seven eight, four point seven eight three 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 million in uh, cap space projected. Mm -hmm. They got to sign the two of them, and they also. Who we've managed to not talk about yet, probably, but possibly they should have come in before the the, the, the Krejci and Bergeron debate. Okay. Because remember, Krejci, they couldn't sign until they opened a free agency anyway. They couldn't sign Krejci before that. Right. And of course, they traded um, Eric Howla for Pavel, for Pavel Zaccia. Yep. 
which we'll circle back to that, Tim. Hold your breath, please. We'll, we'll allow uh, Tim to have time to do his public mourning. Yes. And again, I know I will comment later on my views on that trade as well. But like I said, do that. Zacha is a arbitration eligible RFA. He's already filed for arbitration. So you have to sign Zacha, and then you have to fig- figure out how you're structuring these Bergeron and Krejci contracts. And they are and they are structural things, right? Because they're both old enough that they can sign league men with a bunch of really easy to attain bonuses, which a comes with two caveats. One, if you do that, you're announced more or less announcing that you're writing off the twenty three twenty four season. Because all those bonuses have to be paid out at that. Now point. a lot of contracts expire, which means you'll have the space to do it. But it means you're probably filling the holes run by those expiring contracts with some really fucking cheap bottom, cheap players, right? Mm-hmm. Because presumably you're also dealing with a sizable at that point, um, a Pasternak extension. Fingers crossed. Again, flu is the only since report we're, we're, we're reported that horror, the potential for a horror story there. No one else has corroborated that whatsoever. So, <laughs> so okay, you got to figure out how you're structuring that. You got to figure out with them what the bonuses are. Like, you know, are you doing like you know ten games played ones like they did with Halak and uh, and Chara? You know, the actual freebies. Yes. And how those bonuses need to be. Right. I believe with Chara, they were all 250k. They varied. Some years, the bonuses overall added up to close to 4 million. No, no, but I'm just saying, like, the the in- increments of, you know, the, yeah. the uh, bonus structure. So. Yeah. so, okay, they have to figure that out. They have they still have to move some kind of salary besides Howla because they have to sign Zacha, who's going to take up a significant portion of that space. Even if the base salaries for both Bergeron and Krejci are, are league men. There's also the matter if they do still need to sign um, Stunika, and he's going to be waiver eligible, but that's a whole other kettle of fish. So it's doable. There is clearly another shoe to drop. The fact that it continues to not drop does worry me, considering you could have just fucking bought out Felino and been done with it. Yeah, I, I didn't understand how that they didn't do that, because I know that there's a, ken- a penalty against your cap for doing it, but you're also, how much is he being paid this year? 3.8? 3.8, yeah. The penalty against the cap is far less than that. That would give you probably at least two million to work oh, with. Oh, hang on. Okay, so if you bought him out, you would save one point eight six this year, and then you'd have like a nine hundred and thirty thousand bump the year after. So, like, yes, they should have. Yep. Yeah, I I know that they have a lot of moves and things they have to do. I get that. Presumably, Chris Wagner has to be buried again because there's no way he's making this. I mean, like, honestly, like, there isn't really, particularly after Marshawn comes back, a mechanism for Felino to still be on this roster either. Well, you figure, like, okay, so they signed Zacha. He's a left, he's a center left wing. So once Brad's healthy, you're looking at Brad, Hall, Zacha, Frederick. Felino's at best your fifth left wing. And that's assuming you're just going to accept DeBrusque as a right wing now. Hmm. The other problem is how do you make space? What not buying the reason not buying out Felino is confusing is because really the only plausible path to making spaces on this team are two things that are either like it's like okay the easiest piece to move would almost certainly be Craig Smith, but then you have right wing depth issues, and then or it's like okay well what about Mike Riley? It's like yeah, but with Grizzlick and 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 Charlie out and for most of the fall you can't trade Riley before camp. No, you can't. No. Maybe you don't. Maybe you move him in season, but is Riley going to be ready for camp? Yes. Yes, he's yeah. supposed to be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's supposed to be ready. And yeah, he had a very simple ankle procedure that he should be ready for September, like arthroscopic. 
basically. Yeah. Yeah. So Zaka, here he can play left wing as well, right? Yes, he's a left shot center, plays quite a bit of left wing, which again is why like he sort of made a lot of sense as a trade with Howla. Okay. I guess it's time to talk about that here, isn't it? Yes. So Howla, who of course just had a fantastic season, which means the Bruins basically juiced his juiced his value. Yep. And we just traded him for a similar player with comparable production, who's bigger and younger. Bigger and six years younger. Yes. I don't have a problem with the trade, but I immediately thought of Tim. Well, you see, there's the thing, and I get that. Like, like, actually, no. Now we'll let we'll let Tim do his thing. I am so sad about this trade. I am so unbelievably just. It it pains me that he was the one to go out of like clearing out people. I know if Craig Smith had gone, you'd be like, oh, okay, that's fine. Felino, that's fine. But Howla was the one to go. And I, I mean, I am the news of the trade. I hadn't seen it because I woke up late that day because I had been up late the night before um, doing stuff. So I immediately get look at my phone and see the trade notification. And I was like, oh, OK, I'm going to go back to bed. Oh, yeah, I was oh, it, it sucked. It fucking sucked. And. I mean, this definitely means that Pavel Zacha is my, like, new Bartowski. Oh, uh, no, Zaka's your new Bartkowski. No. Yeah, he's the new Bartkowski because, I mean, he... It, was that the genesis of Bartkowski for you? He took over from somebody you really liked? No, oh. but the, that's the genesis of Zacha now because... He he got traded for someone I like, so he is the new Bartkowski. He is the new. I hate him with a did not with the passion of ten sons, and that will never change. He could get the game winning goal in the Stanley Cup final for the Bruins to win the cup, and he's still the new Matt Bartkowski. Okay, I called bullshit on that last one, but anyway. <laughs> uh, hey, look, if the Bruins had said, hey, we'll trade you Brandon Carlo for Linus Holm, uh, Ham, uh, Linus, let's try that again, Hampus Lindholm, um, I would be, feel the same way. I would resent him so much. I'll point out, though, here's like, uh, you, you, you knew what, you knew Halo was just a mercenary from day one. Getting attached to mercenaries is always a bad choice. <laughs> but But the thing is, there were other options to get rid, like Felino. Get rid but, of but, Felino. But here's things: How is the one that if they if they're re-signing Bergeron and Krejci, there is no place on this roster for Howla because we've seen how much he sucks at wing. There is a place. There's always a place for a Howla. Always, every team needs a Howla. If only it's just in Tim's heart. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Howla was great for Boston. He was. I'm happy to have had him. He and increased you know his what? value. He was a fantastic pump and jump job by the Bruins here. And like, honestly, like, Pavel Zacha has been the kind of player I felt for a couple years, like it's only a matter of time before this guy becomes a Bruin. Better than Miles Wood. Seriously though, right? Because that's what we really thought because we're like, oh no, this guy kills the Bruins. He's going to be on the Bruins. Oh, and also he's enormous fast and from Boston. 
Oh, I didn't know that Miles Wood was from Boston. Hmm. Pretty well, sure. He was either a BU or a BC guy. That much I know for sure. Hang on. Yeah, but he's probably from Jersey. No, he's not from New Jersey. That much I know. Oh, that's right. Confidence. He didn't go to the University of Rhode Island. Oh, we got we got a tad bit of breaking news. Um, oh, Ashan signed a one year deal. Oh, good. With the Bruins? Yeah. Oh, sorry. He's from he's he's from Buffalo. Sorry, my bad. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Yeah, he didn't seem like a Boston guy. But he played at Noble Greeno and BC. Oh. Oh, did he and, play and at Cape the same Cod Whalers? And say, okay, so he actually, I mean, that might be where he's born, but based on where he played, he played basically exclusively at Massachusetts, at least just, at least in the in the time window that, that Cap Friendly covers here. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know, the United States is freaking weird in that way, isn't it? It's just because it's like, you can say that somebody was born somewhere and then they did not at all grow up there. You know what I mean? So it's like for years. Okay, so when when Sean Corrales was with the Bruins, it listed his birthplace as uh, Dublin, Ohio, right? But now that he's with the Columbus Blue Jackets, his his bio says that he was born in uh, Niagara Falls, New York. Oh yes, Niagara Falls, New York, because his parents at the time lived in Toronto. Not Toronto. They lived in Canada. Oh. Well, like also these things can be misleading. For example, my kid's going to say the, their birthplace is going to be Halifax, but like they're going to be four months old and we move out to the sticks. So like they're going to be born in Halifax. They're going to be from Halifax. <laughs> or like my birthplace is Providence. My family never lived in Providence. Yeah, I was born in Newport and we lived in Newport. Technically, Navy housing that was in Middletown, but it was in Newport. It's weird. It's hard to explain. I lived in all places on the island. That's all I can tell you. Anyway, this is a really like a great. Just like, I am sorry, Tim. I know you love yourself, Samaritana, but like this is an objectively fantastic trade by Boston. And like, yeah, Zach has been a disappointment relative to his draft position. That's not Boston's problem. It's great, actually. Like picking up draft busts who aren't complete calamities is like. Well, I mean, that's 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 where they do do their thing, right? Sweeney's trying to rewrite the 2015 draft. <laughs> if that was the case, they would have also signed Colin White to it as a reclamation project and said they allowed Florida to do that. <laughs> oh, my God. So funny. Who did Florida hire as a coach? I forgot. Paul Maurice. Oh, that's right. Okay, that's sad. Yeah, again, like, there's the big thing about Montgomery is, like, if you look at the other coaching hires, with the exception of, well, obviously Cassidy, who wasn't exactly on the table, I'm pretty sure Montgomery was the best candidate available. Like, do you really think DeBoer or Maurice or Bonus or Torts? I want the Torts chaos at least <laughs> once in my lifetime. Angry Fonzie, I love it. I can't wait to watch what happens with, with Philadelphia. I hope he has a screaming match with Tony D'Angelo. I hope he punches him out. I I just, oh, God. Because, uh, yes. Okay, but anyway, moving on to the Bruins. All right, so we had to say farewell to Eric Howla. Um, of course, uh, Curtis Lazar signed a three-year deal with the Canucks, so good for him. It's like, huh, Canucks, sign, Canucks signing a fourth line, a fourth liner to term, huh? 
weird. You'd almost think they would have stopped doing that seeing as they fired Benning. But anyway, it's actually a great deal. One million a year is not a big deal. It's not like when it's not like they it's not like giving one and a quarter to, to Schaller, for example, when he left here. Yep. Look, you know what? He's uh, he's in his home province, you know, with the with a little baby and everything. This is great. Great for him. Oh, yeah. And uh, is there anybody else? Oh, no. I have to mention that, Tim, I understand heartbreak. Because I had heartbreak this week when Nola Chari, my Rhode Islander in the NHL, signed with the enemy to all that is good and right in this world. Uh, fucking blues. Fucking, fucking Kelly blues. Sutherland. Fucking Kelly Sutherland. 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 <laughs> Fuck him. Fuck that guy. Sutherland. Yes, I know how to say it, but I just there's something about saying Kelly Sutherland. It just it's a lot of tongue twisting that I can't do. It's like okay. saying advocate. I have to think about saying it because the the D and the V and the C, they just don't flow anyway. Um, as I said it perfectly. But anyway, that's all right. Um, so who did the Bruins sign in free agency? Because we're waiting on Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci, and that could be a long time. And honestly, where I'm at right now is like, I feel like it's last summer again, and I really don't want to feel that again. So tell us who they signed. Okay. So they signed five players who are almost all, all or almost all destined for Providence. The first one's the only question mark because this one's a one-way contract. Okay. They signed um, uh, forward A.J. Greer to uh, two-year two deal with a two-year one-way deal. Okay. Uh, seven fifty salary this year, seven seventy-five next year. So a cap hit of um, um, of seven sixty-two and a half. A lot of the writers seem to assume that because this is a one-way deal, he was signed to replace Bleed as the full-time thirteenth slash fourteenth forward. Oh, yeah. Anton Bleed. Yeah. So Greer's background a bit. Just uh, he was um, uh, drafted in the second round of 2015 by Colorado. Okay. Played a season and a half at BC. Okay. For quitting and joining the uh, Rouen Naranda Huskies in the 15-16, halfway through the 15-16 season. So we played with Jeremy Lozon. Okay. Then have played parts of played parts of what's that one two three four seasons parts of four seasons with the in the AV system with like cumulatively 15, 17, 32, 37 NHL games with them um, was briefly with the Islanders in their AHL system and then got traded to the Devils as I think a contract shuffle in the um, uh, the, the Zajac trade. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then played a bit, played a total of 10 games over the last two seasons with the devils did like uh, two points in 10 games. Uh, the big thing is in his production in the AHL hadn't been too impressive. He had a big jump this past year at uh, 22, 50, 22, 30, 52 and 53 games with Utica. So apparently they think he can be sort of a plug and play fourth liner He's a bigger guy, 6'3", 210. Huh. Kind of like a Trent yeah. Frederick size. Yeah, kind of like Trent Frederick. Yeah, yeah. Left uh, uh, left shot, um, uh, left wing. So he's a body. Players who quit 
playing for the college team and go to like a, you know, a juniors team or something. That's what happened with Charlie Coyle. That's why Char Charlie Coyle played a very limited amount of time at BU. And then he, uh, because he was a, a, a wild draft pick, they said they wanted him to play in the, uh, in the, in, in one of the junior leagues in Canada. So that's what happened with him. So that could have happened with Greer. They, um, Colorado could have been like, hey, we want you to go play for a junior team. We yeah, because so he, he only played a half a half season after his draft, right? Because he played his first full season with BU. He was his draft year. Mm, okay. So, yeah, that's Greer. Now, the others are of decreasing interestingness, to be clear. Mm -hmm. So they try. he was not the only forward they drafted. They signed. They also signed um, a center right wing, Vinny Lettieri, who's from – Excelsior, Minnesota. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought with a name, especially spelled the way it is, V-I-N-N-I. -N -N -I. You'd think he's from Staten Island with a name like that. Or, well, no, or, I actually or thought or Finland, he, rather. I thought he was from Finland, yes. Let's it, with a very Italian last name, though, so. I thought it was a Finnish name. Anyway, he's, he's from Minnesota. Um, anyway, um... He was undrafted um, uh, forward. Uh, he's 27 now. 5'11", 180, so a little bit smaller guy. He's played some game. He's been in the – yeah, so after four years at um, Minnesota, he signed with the Rangers, was in their system for a couple years, and has been in the last several seasons with the Ducks system. He's gotten in a total of 82 NHL games, went 7, 11, 18. Oh. Okay. He's, he's – uh, He's fill, he he's presumably been signed to fill the um, uh, Stephen Fogarty role okay. in uh, Providence, and uh, now playing the role of um, uh, of Tyler Livington, we have left defenseman Daniel Renouf. Yep. Yeah, he's a six two two oh five left shot defenseman. Spent some time in the Colorado system, in in the Kane system, and in Detroit system on two different uh, stints. Played 23 NHL games, put up three points. And more importantly, he's a humane black bear great. <laughs> he is a humane black bear great. Um, played uh, three seasons in played three seasons for for for, for humane. Um, um, 13, 14 through um, uh, 15, 16. Um, did a total of 24 points in uh, 70 something games. Mm. Anyway, warm body. For Providence, because like honestly, well, there isn't a lot of defensemen on contract, right, to play in Providence. So, likewise, the next body, and this one's probably actually more in line to, for a potential call up, particularly because we need depth on the right on the right side. Uh, Connor Carrick, right shot defenseman from hmm. Illinois, 5'11", 180. He actually has a lot of NHL, quite a bit of NHL experience for an AHL signing. He's got 241 games played. Yeah, that name sounds so familiar. Um, so he's played for the Caps. He played for the Leafs for several seasons. The star, the Stars, and then he spent three years for the Devils. And this past year, he was in the Seattle system, but only played in, um, b b like, signed by Seattle, but played, because, of course, he didn't have their own AHL affiliate, played for the Charlotte Checkers last season. Well, now they do have their own AHL affiliate. It is the Coachella Valley Firebirds. They do. That's such so a yeah, he's, so anyway, yeah, Carrick's an interesting case because like yeah, he played a long time in the Leafs. He was sort of one of those players that was a chronic um uh, Babcock punching bag. Oh, oh, that's not fun. 
poor guy. Yeah, so then he got moved to the stars for like a nothing and then like picked up by one way and picked and then acquired by the Devils like as a contract throwback. And then played three seasons in the, with the Devils and their uh, split between the Devils and, Bing, and uh, Binghamton. Yeah, so, so that's like, probably where I found, I heard him from. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, he um, uh, yeah, the most most NHL games he's played in a season was sixty seven games with Toronto in sixteen seventeen. Okay. Yep. Probably from there too. Yeah. So uh, he's yeah, as right shot defenseman, he's presumably the first because we didn't have a lot of depth there, right? It's basically, uh, um, especially with McAvoy hurt, it was going to be going to the season with Carlo Clifton. And then like the other right defenseman behind him were uh, uh, that new German, they signed Kai Wisman and, uh, and then Victor Berglund. So another one you have comfortable being able to call up. Seems like a good idea under the circumstances. Kai Wisman. And the last signing was a veteran goaltender for Providence. Basically, there's two reasons for this. Before I even say the names, like, okay, one, Brandon Busey's played like three professional games, <laughs> and Kyle Kaiser has not really uh, acquitted himself well at any point in the professional, as a professional. So it, that means that, A, you don't really have a third string goalie to call up if something happens to a, either a Swayman or Olmark. And B, maybe you don't trust either of them to drive to to, um, uh, to hold the steering wheel most of the time in in, in Providence. Either way, they signed um, uh, 33-year-old journeyman Keith Kincaid to be that body. Another former devil coming uh, from the Rangers. Also, yep. yep, he's uh, played 167 NHL games. Devils, yep, most recently from the Rangers. He um, had a brief stint where he was uh, Blue Jackets property, but he played no games for either them or their affiliate. Hmm. And he was also with the Habs in 1920, apparently. In 2019 to 2020, not 1920. Yes. <laughs> He's not that old. Yeah. <laughs> so he basically Troy Grossnick. Yeah, about the same. I mean, about the same age, way more NHL games played. So, like, at some point was better player than Troy Grossnick. Whether he is now, it's not really germane to the discussion. Sure. Right. Okay. Well, depth and provenance. Important to note, a lot of these deals also have gener- – most of them have fairly generous uh, minor salary despite being two-way deals. So the, the AHL salaries, instead of being like 75K, are like 450K for, uh, for, for Carrick and 400K for Kincaid. Basically, you, you have to promise you're paying these guys so much. Yep. <laughs> yep. I, that's the only way I'd want to play in the AHL, to be honest with you, a- after a certain age. Yeah, so that's actually the minor salary bill. Like Kincaid's actually guaranteed another hundred k over that. Officially, he's guaranteed salary a half million. Call ups or no? Right, right. So anyway, yeah. Um, they're all like you know people grumbled a bit. It's like, well, we didn't have any cap space. They needed bodies because there isn't a lot in Providence right now. Like there'll be some new guys coming in this fall who will be you know first time for real commitment. You know, Callahan, Beecher, Merkulov. But you needed you needed some bodies too, so right. I got no beef with any of this. Now we're just in the waiting game. Uh, well, yeah, I don't like the waiting game. It's not a fun game. <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah, we... like yesterday that the, the uh, athletic had a uh, how we're we scoring every team's first couple of days of free agency. Bruins are the only team that got it incomplete. Well, yeah, the two pieces that they, that were supposed to be done deals aren't so. And I know I understand, I, but. 
I'm also with each day that passes, I'm not I'm not holding out hope. So it's like when they get done, I will be happy. But in the meantime, I'm not going to play the games I've played in the past. I'm just going to move on with my life is what it comes down to. So here. Um, you know, Tim, you were out last time and you did not get to talk about the current main you uh black bear great who is so great that they retired his number yeah he's not just a main black bear great. he is the main black bear great you know who we're talking about tim right no i didn't hear this somehow the coach jim montgomery, montgomery. is this the is this you mainly all-time scoring leader oh i was pumped about I was pumped about Jim Montgomery signing for that for the main connection. I always love seeing the main connection here in playing for Boston, um, and now coaching for Boston. Now coaching for Boston. All right, perhaps we should wrap this up. Yeah. So, well, hopefully, hopefully things you know happen sooner rather than later because, like, yeah. Unlike the Bruins, we can wrap this up now. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm going to tell you right now. I don't need to sign a contract, so I'm all set here. Yeah, so uh, listeners, uh, you've been listening to Barely On Topic. You can find us wherever your favorite podcasts are found. You can follow us on Facebook. That's at Barely On Topic Podcast. And on Twitter, at Barely On Topic. And then, of course, there are our individual Twitter accounts. I am at Dr. Hengrenade. I am at Tim A. Richardson. And I am. There's room on the Hampus Lindholm and Brandon Carlo trains. Dot org. Also known as that VA from RI. I love you, Eric Hella. <laughs> <laughs>